Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a sample of episode two of the Menas Masterclass series, where each month I will interview one of my favorite cricket personalities for our elite level Patreon subscribers. This episode, I'm joined by former Australian captain, Lisa Stalaker. Lisa was a champion all-rounder playing 187 times for Australia across three formats and she became the first female to take 100 wickets and score 1,000 runs in 50 over cricket. Since then, she has become a much-loved commentator and broadcaster across the world. To listen to the full interview, head to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Let's get into my interview with Lisa Stalaker. Joining me all the way from Chennai is Lisa Stalaker, former Australian captain. Lisa, how are you? I'm good, thanks, man. It's nice to see a friendly face. Absolutely, but it, it's it's amazing to have you um, on this show because you've been on Cricket Unfiltered and the Australian Cricket Podcast quite a few times, but we've never really done a sort of, I don't know, deep dive into your career. And you're someone in the cricket community I really admire because of the way you conducted yourself as a player and, and a post and your post playing career. So it's just great to be able to sort of talk to you about your career. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Obviously when you first came on the podcast, it was just after you retired a couple of years and, and now you sort of been retired for a while. How's it going in the media? Yeah, it's, it's going well. I mean, I think last year, everyone, regardless of, of what work or, or what your, um, passion was life changed dramatically for everyone and it was about six months I was at home and my family were like geez this is the most we've mm-hmm. seen you off you go <laughs> get back on the road again so um, I guess I'm very fortunate now the fact that cricket is being able to be played and even though we're all in bio bubbles um, the game is being able to be played and obviously IPL is great but I had a great summer as well with Channel 7. And uh, how many bubbles and how many quarantines have you done? Uh, well, I've done, I've done probably two bio bubbles. 
So um, I don't know being stuck in Melbourne during Christmas in that period because of the state border closures counts as a bio bubble, but um, that kind of obviously affected my time back at home. I wasn't able to be in Sydney where, where I live, but uh, I've done only two weeks hard quarantine when I've come back from the last IPL. Um, I, I literally have left home, I think around the 28th of January, and I haven't come home yet simply because I don't really want to do the two weeks quarantine. So get all the work done and dusted, and then I'll come back home um, for the Olympics and then obviously the Australian summer. So um, it's been hard because this has probably been the longest time I've been away and the world is still really crazy here in India. Things aren't good um, outside the bio bubble. A lot of my friends are getting COVID. A lot of their family members are getting COVID. So it's scary times. But yeah, I'm fortunate enough to get to call uh, the best uh, T20 domestic competition in the world. Now, the reason I got you on is is because it's been a huge couple of years for you. I mean, you've actually had some serious recognition for your contribution to the game. Firstly, last year, you were inducted into the ICC Hall of Fame, as you know, the 27th Australian, only joining people like Bradman, Border, Tendulkar, Gavaskar, Warren. You know, that's pretty good company. So you just tick off the ICC Hall of Fame. Then earlier this year, you were inducted into the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame in the same class as Johnny Muller and Merv Hughes. Unfortunately, we didn't get the usual sort of Hall of Fame dinner or the 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 award dinner where you get to sort of make a speech, but just a phenomenal recognition for your immense contribution both when you were playing and post-playing. Tell me, I guess, who lets you know about these things? Do you know, um, I mean, did the ICC just send you an email, hey, we're putting you in the Hall of Fame? What's it like when you get that bit of news? Uh, Yeah, I got an, um, first I got a call from someone who was actually on the nomination committee saying, Lisa, you've been nominated um, and it's unanimous, you'll be in the ICC Hall of Fame. And I said, it's a joke, right? It's a stitch up. (laughs) Seriously, I'm not that young. I mean, I'm not that old, should I say. Uh, there are so many more worthy recipients in my eyes. And then I think a week later, I got an email from the CEO letting me know that the the ICC um, Hall of Fame was coming my way. And you're right, the, the last couple of years has been difficult because normally with the ICC Hall of Fame, you get to fly over business class with someone to the awards and I think it was going to be in South Africa and I was going to take my father and it was going to be a nice little trip for us, but um, unfortunately not to be. And, and, and then to, with Cricket Australia, um, I was um, informed by Alistair, the CEO of ACA at the time, um, because it's a joint committee between ACA and Cricket Australia. So before he left, he, he rang me and, and said, look, you know, I've got some really good news. You've been inducted. So Again, from my point of view, I've been to these awards, um, both ICC and Cricket Australia, and you look at the people that are inducted and absolute legends of the game have played an important role. And I guess for me, I see so many other f- previous female players who weren't afforded the, um, the opportunity to play as much as I did, but yet probably more skillful, more talented, and did it a hell of a lot harder than I did. So I guess I feel like a little bit of an imposter um, because I, I, I still feel that there are plenty more other people that need to be recognised. But it certainly is, is, is nice to kind of reflect 
on the recent couple of um, nominations and inductions um, with my family. And I guess it, it means all that hard work and missing out on friends, um, birthday parties, weddings, birthdays, you name it, have been worth it. Do you think uh, playing cricket sort of helped you find your identity in a new country? And do you think there was a, a bit of that, that it, it kind of helped just, you know, helped that process? I think being sporty certainly did. I mean, you look at the Australian culture and it's be outdoors, be active, cricket, tennis, sports, AFL, football, obviously wasn't involved in any of that. But certainly um, sport allowed me to blend in and I was fairly good at it. So um, all the cool kids at school were always really sporty, active, good runners, cross country, all of that type of stuff. And that that's the stuff that I wanted to be involved in. So for me, my, my childhood was one that was positive, that was inclusive, um, yet for my sister it was completely different. So um, it just shows you potentially how Australian culture was back then. You know, they were more accepting of people that fitted into their ways and anyone that was a little bit different, um, they were quite quick. School kids were quite quick to bully and tease. So um, I think sport was my saviour, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about your sister having a different experience. I mean, well, I guess you said you had a good experience. She didn't. Surely there were small issues when you were playing as a youngster where even not explicit but sexism or racism that sometimes people didn't even realise they were doing. Um, you know, how how does that make you sort of view Australians at the time? Yeah, um, I think... I think to be honest, it was look. I, I can't think of any from a from a racism point of view. I I think there was one comment when I was like in kindergarten, and a year two stuck up for me, and that was it. I guess casual racism existed, but the Aussie banter, <laughs> political correctness was not around in <laughs> in the eighties and nineties. So just the jokes of Lisa, you can get the bags because you're the helper, or uh, I guess there was one there was one remark and I wrote about it in the Sydney Morning Herald. It was soon after the Black Lives Matter over in England and that started to take off. But it was like my teammates kind of pinned me down and wanted to put a bindi on my forehead or a dot um, because from an Indian point of view. And I'm like, what? Why are you doing that? Like physically pushing me down on the bed to try and do it. That upset me. Friends used to call me Tabuli, Suzuki, Homus, and I'm like, well, I'm not even Lebanese, but any anything different, awkward, they would say. So that 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 casual racism was there, but and I probably started to to say, oh, hey, I'm the token, you know, I'm the, you know, we're ticking a box with me here in the side. So I used um, humor as a way to probably protect myself a little bit. Um, and probably get in all of the, the the silly jokes before anyone else could get in. But but that, I don't think it, apart from a couple of times, which I mentioned about being pinned down, um, it never really bothered me that much. But when you look back on your time, you're constantly doing it, you're constantly saying it. So I guess that has a, an effect at the end of the day. Um, sexism, it's probably... I've probably found things a little bit harder more in the commentary world because as female broadcasters, we've come in and we've come in with a different opinion. And obviously at the moment, things that are blowing up, 
you know, Crick Info is changing the term batsman to batter. Oh, yes. Um, and um, they've also changed a while ago, not man of the match, player of the match. Yeah. Yet I still have conversations with my fellow commentators, with executive producers who go, well, men are out there playing, so it's man of the match. What do you guys do in women's cricket? I go, we say player of the match. Like how it's not that hard. So I've actually found it more frustrating, the sexism now, because things are starting to change and there's females more heavily involved in the game. Women's cricket is more prominent, yet people are, are very adamant that we cannot change things. We can't make it more inclusive. And, you know, even just on, on social media, I put out a tweet saying about this Crick Info change of, of, batter to, uh, batsman to batter. And I said, interesting to note that it's all males that are kicking up a stink and having a go. And it's like, it's not about you. It's never been about you. And I guess my point with the tweet was, don't you want the game to grow? Don't you want more women to be involved? And people saying, well, if it surely if just changing batsmen to batter is going to grow the game or the women's game, then it's, it's ridiculous. And it's like, you guys are, are stuck. You put your head in the sand and you just don't want to see your world. And I guess that's probably been the most frustrating thing um, from a sexist point of view because you feel like you're just having to have the same conversations again and it's a constant battle. I hope you enjoyed that sample of the second episode of Men's Masterclass. The first episode featured Shane Watson and episode three will feature Greg Chappell. So head to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered and sign up. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.